Grace and peace to you from Harvester Reformational Church in Milnerton, Cape Town, the mother city of South Africa. Founding Apostle Andre and Prophet Nola Pelser have reached almost 100 nations to date, fulfilling the great command to love and the great commission to go into all the world, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and making disciples of Jesus Christ. May God confirm the preaching of his word with signs and wonders following in your life. For free sermon notes, visit www.harvesterchurch.net and click on the sermons tab. Search for the topics you need and keep spreading the word. Remember that some of these teachings are also available on DVD from Pelser Media. So contact Apostle Aja Pelser at A-J-E-P-E-L-S-E-R at gmail.com for more information. Now, here is Apostle Aja Pelser. What the Bible says about Jesus, message today, what the Bible says about Jesus, or if you want a short version, about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, isn't it? At the end of the day, Darren, it's all about Jesus. So, a few weeks ago, we were having uh, what was it, dinner with somebody, and they said to us, Do you know how we came to your church? I said, Please tell me. Please tell me how you came to Harvester. And they told me this story. They went from one church to another, and he decided one day, he said, God, Show me which church I need to go to. And it was in the Milton area. So he drove to the one church and he got into the parking lot. And as he climbed out of his car, the, the priest came out and waved at him. He thought, okay, that's nice. And the priest said to him, listen, don't park here. If you're here for the bingo night, you need to park over there. It was bingo night at that church. So he said, don't worry, I don't want to play bingo, but thanks. You know. So he got in his car and he drove to another church close by. I'm not going to tell you their names, because we don't like... It's only for naamskending. The great Afrikaans word. Defamation of character sounds like a type of coffee. <laughs> so, so he went to another church and he got there and... He knocked on the door, you know, as he got to the door, here comes the, the, here comes the other priest, and he's got a, a drink in his one hand and a cigarette in the other hand. Yes, can I help you? You know? <laughs> says, I don't think so. <laughs> and he went away, and he was disappointed. He tried a few other places, couldn't find. He said, God, please show me a church to go to. Then he started walking through Mill Park Center. Remember old Mill Park Center? It's still there. Um, at that stage, there weren't many offices there. And um, he came through. He looked at. There was something that looked like a cafe. Remember the hub? Yes. yes. Anyway, so he, he went in there and um, he saw some people. You know, there was coffee and things happening. And I think Tani Kavers of the old said, "Nochi." Ze had nog die masala chips gemaakt en roeties en skoe goed, jy weet. En Auntie Kay was there, making wonderful meals. And people just mingling around in the office. It didn't quite look like a church, you know. And he, he went in there because he went to get a permit. He went to get a permit for his tortoise. Do you know you need permission to have a tortoise in your, in your garden? Did you know that, kids? Do you want a tortoise? 
My, my dad has a tortoise in his garden. His name is Gandhi. <laughs> he eats leaves. I fed him last week, yeah. He's getting old. He's, he's going to be older than some of you. Anyway, so you need, you need a permit to have a tortoise. So there's the, the nature conservation guys who are in Mill Park Center. So that's why this person was there. And this person is listening so he knows who he is. And um, bingo didn't work, you know. Happy hour at the other church didn't work. <laughs> and then he got, he saw this. And somebody from the coffee shop, which is obviously our church, okay. If you don't know our history, we used to be in Mill Park Center. We had a coffee bar. And then downstairs was an old cinema that we revamped for our church. So you couldn't see it. It's like the underground church. In fact, if a nuclear bomb fell, we'd be fine. You know, we'd survive with the cockroaches. And um, <laughs> Now I know who's been with us the longest. Okay. Anyway, so... Yes... They said, do you know what they asked him? Do you know what they asked this man? Someone came out from the coffee shop and said, what's going on here? What is this place? He says, it's a church. And then that person said, can I tell you what the Bible says about Jesus? Can I tell you what the Bible says about Jesus? And what would you say if someone came up to you like that and you were looking for a church? Of course, tell me what the Bible says about Jesus. I want to hear what you have to say about that. I want to know what you believe. Amen? Now I've been thinking about that and it sort of it stayed with me. That someone who's been with us for 25 years now in our church and been a great blessing to the church was brought in because somebody asked him this question. Can I tell you what the Bible says about Jesus? It's so simple, isn't it? We're complicated. We've got battle plans in our minds, how to get our friends safe, how to get all the driftwood back onto the beach. It's not, it's not going to happen your way. It's going to happen a simple, in a simple gospel way of telling them about Jesus. That's it. How did Billy get all of those people saved? He says, do you know Jesus? Do you know where you're going if you die? Like, what was the man's name? Like Grant. In Australia, it's Grant. Yeah. In what? Grant. Praise God for Grant. Hey? Amen. So, ten things the Bible says about Jesus were sparked in my spirit that we probably can put together into something for you. There's notes for you that you can use. We'll put it in a simple way for you. On the, on the website, harvestedchurch.net, we'll put it up there. But here's ten things. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He's our mediator, saviour, redeemer, mediator. He's the Christ. He's the living water. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the name above all names. He's our Lord of Lords. And He's the head of the church. Now of course there's a whole list of things that He is more. But I just picked the important ten 
to help explain this to someone quickly because you might not have all day. You know, Jesus' sermons were like two, three minutes. And if we're honest, the message that we give every Sunday, there's two, three minutes of the message where God speaks to you. And that's what you must share with somebody else. That's that good news. There's a bit of good news in a meeting like this for each one of you. And that's what you share with the world. You can't always get to all the points. You can't always get to the full explanation. But there must be that one hook that gets them in. Amen? For Billy and Grant and his family, it was, do you want to do what Grant did? He made sure that he was right with Jesus. How many of you want to make sure that you're right with God? Of course everybody will want to do that. But it was the right question at the right time for them and they got saved. Amen? Now Pastor Billy has been praying for his family for, for a long time. So it's, a, so it's a 40 year overnight success right there. You might say, wow, it happened in one moment. Yes, but that one moment, God had prepared his life up to this point where they could ask him to do the funeral, know that he's a shepherd, know that he's a, a faithful man of God, know that he stands for what's right and that he can grant, grant passage through into heaven. And them too. You granted them passage into heaven through your preaching of the good news. And that little revelation got them saved. It's not how clever you are that's going to get people saved. It's what you tell them about Jesus. Amen. Let's believe that when we speak. So, he's the savior of our souls. Jesus, savior of our souls. Get some blues. Gospel blues. 1 John 4 verse 14, we've seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Amen? The world's going to hell, it needs a Savior, right? Amen? Who's, who's going to save people's souls but Jesus? Present Him as the Savior of their soul out of their crisis. Amen? He's your Savior. And you don't need a Savior until you feel you're dying. Until you feel you're drowning, you don't call for a lifesaver. Huh? <laughs> My friend who's a lifesaver, he says he waits till they're almost dead and then he swims out to collect them because if you don't, they'll fight you and you'll both drown. Right? Yes? Yeah. He says if it's, if it's a man, you punch him. Yeah. If he's got too much energy. <laughs> he says and if it was a girl, I asked him if it was a girl. He said, yeah, don't sooner. He was obviously a very confident lifesaver to feel. He was a girl and he kissed them. But um, I'm not preaching that. That's what he said. <laughs> anyway, there comes a point where someone's desperate and you know they're ready for saving. Then you present the Savior to them. They might look to you. And this is where Christians get it wrong. They tie people to themselves versus tying people to Jesus. I'm not going to fix your problems. Chantal and I were discussing things this morning. And we have some interesting discussions on Sunday mornings. We go deep and um, lose track of time as well. But uh, there's revelation that comes out of these discussions. And um, what one revelation we have is, you know, people come to church and then they've spent their whole life creating the crisis they're in right now. And then they want you to fix it in a Sunday morning. It's unrealistic to think that will happen. If you took seven years to make a problem, it might take seven years to fix it, but God's going to help you if you're patient. 
If you can zoom out and see the perspective that God's going to take some time to help you with every line and precept of your problem. He's doing it. Have you ticked a few things off? Yes, yes, yes. But so much is left, Pastor. I said, but give God some time. You know, stop telling Him to hurry up if you've made this mess up to here. Sorry, Lord. Yes, you're right. Counseling session. It's the best counseling session you ever have. How long did it take you to get into this problem? Seven years, Pastor. Well, let's give God seven years to fix it. How dare you? So, no, listen. <laughs> it's, the best, it's the best psychology session you'll ever have. Give God time to fix your problems. He is the Savior. He is the solution. But maybe He's going to develop some things in you while He's fixing those things. He's your Savior. He'll save you continually every day from everything. But let him do it one at a time. And yes, there's miracles. Yes, there's speeding up of the process. I understand all that. But most Christians miss it because they think God's going to go zim zalabim. They watch too much Harry Blatty Potter. And they think God does magic work in their life. Snotter. So this one person came for counseling. And it's funny, when you have a church office, people come to it. Like people not in your church. We spend, we, we counsel like almost 2,000 people over a two year period. In teams, prophetically, wrote everything down for free from other churches. Do you remember that? You were part of those teams. And then we asked them, well, does your church not do this? No. We don't, my church doesn't believe in, in the Holy Spirit, but you need to counsel me. It's okay, we'll counsel you. And then when they counsel, then we set them free and God drives things out of their lives. And, you know, then they don't come to our church, they go back to the other church. It's like, what just happened? So we realized, okay, next time people want counseling, tell them to come to church. Because you, you want to fix the problem, you want to create a new routine of life, a new system. If you, if you try and go to the old system and have new results, you're going to have problems. But anyway, we learned our lesson. The one person came to the office, said, Pastor, Pastor, you've got to help me. And this is where I learned this principle. You know, for the last 21 years, this and this and this. And my dad opened the drawer. He says, come and look in my drawer. And the person goes, okay, what's in your drawer? They're thinking there's really a solution in me. He says, can you see a magic wand in my drawer? To fix your life. Like this. Can you see it there? No, there's no magic wand. They say, well, I'm not going to fix your life in one precision. You need to start serving God and sort things out bit by bit, line upon line, precept on precept. We've got to redig your foundation. We've got to build you up from nothing. Are you willing to do that? I thought you were going to pray for me. <laughs> Everything will be fine. Woo! <laughs> That's not how God works. God works little by little. Because, you know, if you go... If your body needs an overhaul, the doctor will tell you, even my dentist tells me, this is a process. If I hack into your mouth and take out all the teeth that need fixing right now, you won't be able to eat for months. Let me do one at a time. But if you say that to someone with spiritual work, they go, how dare you? I thought you were going to fix my teeth all at once. And then you're going to suck Pernutra through a straw. For a long time. 
There's a picture for you. So I end, the, 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 one, the one Tani was watching, watching football. And uh, she, she, didn't have her, uh, she didn't have her dentures with her. Yeah. Dentures is a, is a mooi word. Um, it's better as false teeth. And she was trying to eat an apple. She was going, whee, whee. It was slipping through the... And she said to the man next to her, Ach, where is so many staat om net for me? God just needs to start your apple for you so you can start eating it now. So, the Savior, the Savior, thank the Lord we have a Savior. Amen? If, if you don't admit that you're weak in a situation, God can't save you out of it because you've still got too much of your own energy, your own thoughts, your own ways, your own stubbornness, your own pride. There we go. Exactly what we heard for communion, right? When you had communion, you died to, to self today because you agreed with all that was said. And you acknowledge that God can help you and save you. See? Amen. So He's also your Redeemer. The Redeemer works like this. It says there's no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. So when Moses and the, the, the children of Israel left Egypt, what happened? What did they do? That to slaughter a lamb. Why? What's the last plague? Let's do a little bit of Children's Church 101. The eldest son was going to be slain. The angel of death was going to come and slay the firstborn of Egypt and anybody, actually. The firstborn of everything. It just, I've got a bit of a ring there. Can you just... Thank you, brother. Okay, so when he did that, what did he have to do with the blood? Painted on the doorpost so the angel of death would pass over. Amen. So let's read that in Exodus there. This is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord. Exodus 12 verse 27. And it says, Then you shall say, This is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped during the Last Supper, Jesus revealed that His body would become the Passover for His disciples to come. And He gave thanks there in 1 Corinthians 11.24. said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in 1 Corinthians 5.7, He says, Purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. There's the unleavened bread. For Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. There, Paul reveals that Jesus is now our Passover and our Redeemer. And so we, we, don't, we don't celebrate Passover like we do anymore once a year. It's now every time we have communion is almost Passover for me. If you want to celebrate Passover and the feasts of the Old Testament, you can do so, but you must do so with Jesus in mind, not the law. Paul says that in Romans. He says some people keep the feast, some people don't. But keep it unto the Lord. And, and have the revelation that Jesus has fulfilled the Passover. Yeah. If you keep the Feast of Tabernacles and things like that, you, know, you need to understand that we are strangers and pilgrims in this world that we are heading to heaven. That God, Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. Don't just get stuck in the Old Testament ways. 
Amen. And we can, we can give you notes on these things. We've got the Bible College where we actually go into depth about those things. And we show you Christ in every scripture, Christ in every Passover. And you know what's amazing about the plagues in, the, in, the, in Egypt? How many of you like Prince of Egypt, that movie? It's a good one, hey? Man, when, when Moses sees, sees God in the burning bush, that's like inspirational stuff. And uh, one of our little kids, um, he's not a little anymore, he's a man now. And uh, he saw that and he really understood God was speaking to Moses. What was your favorite part of the movie? It was Daniel. Daniel Lowe. He says, yeah, there where God spoke to Moses in the burning bush. That was my favorite part. You know, thank God for the, the creators of movies and things like that that take our stories and put them out there. And um, I think about that. Every plague tackled a god of Egypt. They worshipped the Nile. They had frogs and cats and cows and everything they were worshipping. They worshipped the sun. Then it got dark. Huh? You know, everything led to another, if you look at it scientifically. Um, if the Nile starts turning into blood, then things are going to leave the Nile. And the frogs will come out. And then there'll be this and then there'll be that. And so on. it all led on and boils and all sorts of things. And they worshipped their firstborn. The firstborn of, the, of, of an Egyptian household apparently was, was like a little god, a little demigod. And they kept gifts for this god. Like the firstborn's going to get these privileges and inheritance. So when the firstborn died during the Passover, God said to Israel, Go and take plunder from your neighbors. And that plunder was for the firstborn that was now dead. And that's how Israel plundered the Egyptians and left. Heavy, eh? How did they get all that gold to make a golden calf, do you think? Do you think slaves have gold? Yeah, you see. They used it for the wrong thing. Mm. But that's some history there. This should be on History Channel. This is interesting to me. Some of the other things on there with people, you know, pawning off their old, old junk. I don't know if that's history. Do you think that's history? I don't know. <clears throat> Sometimes I want some good history, man. And the Bible's full of it. It's such, it's such rich understanding that you can get just by looking at the Word. So the mediator there is a mediator of a better covenant, better promises, Hebrews 12:24. Jesus is a mediator of a new covenant and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. What does Abel speak about? Who killed Abel? Yeah, Cain. So what was Abel's blood doing? God heard Abel's blood crying out for justice, for vengeance. When Jesus shed his blood, what did he say? Father, forgive them. For they know not what does his blood cry out for? Mercy, forgiveness. Amen. So that makes Jesus a mediator. Because his blood cries out for forgiveness. And he's a mediator of a better covenant. Right? Which is the new covenant that we preach. The old covenant, we all deserve to die. All of us. If you're rebellious, you get stoned to death, you and your friends. So then all the teenagers, you know. Gone. Next Sunday, nobody. Who's rebellious? You and your friends. You see a pile of stones outside church. And then we all come to church. What happened? No, they were rebellious. They got stoned to death. Thank the Lord we're not in the old covenant. Eh? <laughs> that is rough. Thank the Lord we're in the new covenant. He's got so much mercy. Alright, so there you go. Now you're all happy that you're in the new covenant.
Praise the Lord. Christ is the anointed one. Christ anoint the anointing. Christos, the anointed one, showed us how to get back to the Father. He is the Son of God. When Peter had the revelation of Jesus, said, Jesus said to him, Who do you say I am? He says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. And by saying that, he was also saying that for all of Israel, this is the Messiah. This is the one. John kept saying it. Huh? This is the Son of the Lord. This is the, Lamb. This is the Son of God. This is the Lamb of God. And um, who takes away the sin of the world. And many people then acknowledged it after that. And also at the cross the centurion looked up. Truly this is the Son of God. Because there was all sorts of things happening while Jesus was on the cross. The sky turned black in midday. The temple veil tore in two. It sundered. People rose from the dead and started walking back into the, into the village. It was, it was incredible stuff. Huh? People going, this is not a normal crucifixion. Because what people would say about Jesus is, yeah, he was just a prophet and many people were crucified by the Romans and why is this any different? Because people rose from the dead when he died. His death released so much life and power that people got up from the dead. Walked back into town. <laughs> it is crazy stuff. Truly, this is the Son of God. This is not normal. I mean, that Roman guy, how many people has he crucified? How many people did he say, this, is this, this must be the Son of God? <laughs> it became like, okay, let's do another one, you know? Let's do another crucifixion. I'm getting tired of this. Get it done. Kill them so that we can go. And then this guy, different story. It rocked him. Huh? Later, many centurions started building churches, started building synagogues. It changed the Roman mind. 300 years later, the Roman Empire became the Christian Empire. Jesus is different. And what the Bible says about Jesus is important. So when people come at you with their little theories about church and their little theories about Christians and their little attacks on Jesus, you know, and their little movies about the Da Vinci Code and their little this and their little that, Tell them what the Bible says about Jesus. Then the onus is on them to believe it or reject the truth. Then you've done your job. If they receive him, to them God will give them the right to become children of God. If they reject it, the judgments on their own head, you can wash your hands. You can move on to somebody else. So share the gospel with them. It's your job. Ask them, can I tell you what the Bible says about Jesus? Because you have many questions. Answer them with the word. The word will stay with them and not leave them until it brings them to a crisis and where they have to decide, I believe or I doubt. I'm going to receive Jesus or I'm going to reject him. What you say to people stays with them. The great golfer Bernard Langer, um, he's no longer a, a golfer, but I think he plays in the... the the, the older the categories now. You won the other day, one of the, the, master, the old masters. Now, what do they call them? The grand masters. And uh, someone came to him while he was on the European tour. He, he was a fantastic golfer from Germany. Somebody said to him, Do you know that you need to be born again? What? You need to be born again. And it stayed with him. They didn't even have a long conversation. What does this mean, be born again? How dare you say that to me? Why must I be born again? He says, you know, you need to be born again. You can't just say, I believe there's a God and think you're going to make it. 
You must be born again. Mm. Stayed with him. Bothered him. Every time he's putting for a million dollars, he's saying like, I need to be born again. Oh my God, miss. I'm going to have to get born again. I can't play golf anymore. <laughs> Every time he swings, you've got to be born again. You know, can you imagine? That messing with your mind while you're busy trying to concentrate. <laughs> Put something in someone's mind that's never going to leave them. And you know, it's that little word that God gives you for them. It, you might think it's stupid. Just tell him, Jesus loves you. Huh? Just tell him, God has a plan for your life. They're going to be bothered with that. For the next 10 years, they're going to go, What is God's plan for my life? It's driving me nuts. I need to find out what God's plan for my life is. Please tell me what God's... Ah. And they'll drive around from church to church, from bingo night to happy hour, till they find a coffee shop. Where someone says to them, Can I tell you what the Bible says about Jesus? Can I tell you what the Bible says about the plan for your life? Whatever that thing is, it's not necessarily the same line every time, right? But you're getting this. This die hockey with die fussy fang. Dan kan ons lekker snoek eet. Heere Jesus, help ons om mense te red. Lord, help us see what they need. Help us to present Christ to them in Jesus' name. I just feel we must pray for your friends right now. I'll give you the rest of the notes online. But I feel we've, we've kind of covered some things. And maybe I can carry on with this next week. And just revisit some of these points. And go a bit deeper with them. But I feel you're getting the message. Amen. Talking about what the Bible says about Jesus. Lord, I pray for our friends right now. Just there we are. Intercede for people that need to be born again. For people that are interested in what the Bible says about Jesus. For people that are asking you questions. And even people that are persecuting your faith. Just pray for them right now. Intercede for them. And just like God helped Pastor Billy. To get them to a point of decision, God will help you too. In Jesus' name. Lord, give us that line for them. Give us that bit of good news for them. In Jesus' name. Let us prick their conscience and let us, uh, let us draw out their curiosity. And let us meet that need with Jesus, the answer. In Jesus' name. Just mention them by name to the Lord. In Jesus' name. That neighbor that you've just met. Those new people that are, that are interested in what you're doing. Those friends that are starting to come across your path again. Those people in your circles that you care for and pray for. Let's mention them before the Lord right now. In Jesus' name. If you're listening for this, do the same. Lord, we see them. We see them hungry. We see them thirsty, Lord. Lord, says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled, Lord. Create the hunger and thirst in their lives for righteousness through Jesus Christ. Lord, let us share what the Bible says about Jesus and let it be powerful. Let it be so beyond our reasoning and our intellect. Let it be so simple that a child could say it, but it will have a big impact in their lives in Jesus' name. Lord, we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Let us share the good news with people in Jesus' name. Let us be bold.
Let us not be quiet now. It's not a time to be quiet, says the Lord. It's a time to speak what I tell you. And say it, and mean it, and pray over it, and I will watch over my word to confirm it with signs and wonders following in their lives. I will be with you when you open your mouth. I will fill it. Don't worry what you'll say when you get with, with, with your friends. I will give you what to say, says the Lord. I will use your mouth. I will use your life. I will use even the strife that you go through. But I will show them that I have used you in their lives. And they will see Jesus through you. And I will save them in Jesus' name. Can you hear God's heart? That's God's heart. He's the Savior of the world. Thank you, Lord, that you're the solution. You're the sole solution for people's lives. And Jesus, we will not be scared to tell them. And if, we, if we're not scared to tell them and we're not ashamed of you, you will not be ashamed of us before the Father and the angels in heaven. And you'll back us with the power of the kingdom of heaven in Jesus' mighty name. Just receive some boldness right now. Receive some power right now to be a witness of the Lord. Just to tell people about Jesus in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now is the best time ever to tell your friends Jesus loves them. To tell them what the Bible says about Jesus. Amen. I see families coming in, man. I see whole families coming in. I see fathers saying, you know what, guys? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what my friends are doing. I don't care what the trends in the world are. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to show my children what children's church is again. I'm going to do Heisgottsdienst. I'm going to read my Bible in front of my family so they can see I worship the Lord. I'm going to open my mouth and praise the Lord and show my family how to praise the Lord. Because this is the only way to live on this world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Was no listen to witness. Ne? You've got to bottle this feeling. You know, <laughs> Bottle it, stick it in there, and pull it out when you meet those friends. Amen. It's going to happen. It'll happen naturally. You don't have to worry. Amen. Hallelujah. I love Jesus. I love His Word. It's all in here. Just get stuck in there. And doesn't, it's not quantity. Eh? It's quality. Spend a bit of time with this and see what the Lord shows. You know what? You'll read something in the morning. You'll say it to someone in the afternoon. And the next day their lives will change. That's how simple it can be. Amen. It's not difficult. Hallelujah. I got another person uh, emailed me this week and they said, Yeah, Pastor Aja, so what degrees do you guys give? And can I work in other churches if I do your Bible school? I said, which churches do you want to work in? And, um, you know, why don't you work with us? We plant churches. You, you're looking for a job. God's already given you one. We equip our people through our Bible training to go and do the work. Plant new churches. Why are you looking for jobs in the newspaper? God's given you the Holy Spirit. given you talent. given you gifts. Why don't you create a new job that doesn't exist? Because if you look for it in the newspaper, chances are those jobs are already filled. Think differently. Think like a reformer. Think like a kingdom-minded person. That's what I tell people. And when we study out the word with us, it has a different effect in your life. We're not studying theology, the study of God. <laughs> Amen. We're not trying to make it more difficult. We're trying to simplify it so we can share it. You can study the science of making bread or you can become a baker. What do you want? Science helps, but become a baker. 
Wake up early. Get that thing ready. Get the oven ready. Make bread for people, man. And you know what? They'll come to your bakery. If your bread is fresh and it's good, they'll be there every day. Amen? And they'll be there every day around your church too. Watch. They'll come lining up. Amen? Hallelujah? Amen. Hallelujah. Go on your way rejoicing. Have a bit of bread with your lunch. Lekker. I like a good French baguette. When we were in France, we said, Lord, give us this day our daily French baguette. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, we'll finish the sermon next week. I, you know, I was going to go too long. And some of you need to go now. So, bless you. We love you very much. And um, yeah, tell somebody what you heard today. Tell them some good news. Will you do that? Amen. Please remember to get your books from Yolanda. Alright. There's some other things there too. Thank you for your help. Appreciate everybody's participation. And uh, did, you say, did you say bless the besters when you came into the uh, yard today? Not now. You must do it when you drive in. It's become a bless the farm. Amen. Bless the valley. There we go. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.